Hi, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. For months, we take time to prepare and educate ourselves on this new adventure of motherhood. But as we all know, once the baby is born, we're still left with so many questions and need all the help we can get. Women really should have a sense of empowerment as they begin to experience these life-changing moments. And no one mother has it all figured out. However, the more informed we are, the better decisions we can make that will positively affect us and our family. And that's what this podcast is about. Sharing honest, raw, and real conversations about motherhood, life, and all of the crazy, messy, beautiful in-betweens to hopefully educate, empower, and support the next mother on her motherhood journey. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I have a very special guest, Mr. Dustin Young. Dustin is a mentor, physical and mental health advocate, and a doula. Dustin is also the founder of Our Own, a nonprofit organization serving as a catalyst for innovation and epicenter to provide resources in untapped communities. Dismantling systemic barriers in nutrition, education, entrepreneurship, mental health, and mental and physical fitness to further bridge the gap and ensure racial equity and social justice. Dustin, that's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on my show. I am honored. I'm sure we'll get into what led you here. But before we get into that, why don't you tell my listeners a bit more about you? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having me again. This is an amazing opportunity. I would say something about myself. For the last about 13, 14 years, I actually worked in the behavioral therapy space, working with a lot of foster youth which kind of propelled my career into the space of like just giving back and helping and trying to like figure out problems to solve. So within that, I worked with kids within like group homes, foster homes, bio homes, even schools, and pretty much practice on a lot of uh, interventions and how to deal with traumas, triggers, or whatever to like refrain from target behaviors and just find any type of coping skills that's needed and pretty much just be there to support. So like that has guided me and kind of shaped my career and one of the reasons why I kind of started our own is like I directly would go into these neighborhoods and these communities and these homes and see problems that I'm like, all right, well, there's obviously a systemic issue here, but mm-hmm. also there's a, a lack of education, a lack of resources. How can we provide this? So what I did with my job was, you know, I would do what I was actually, you know, my supervisor asked me to go there to do, but I'll also bring in more information like, okay, well, if your psychiatrist is telling your child to take these medications, here's information on these medications, here's a side mm. effect, make a, a wiser choice, here's here's alternative things as well. Like, you know, if your child is having this type of issue, let's focus on breath work and this is the information behind breath work and this is, you know, these steps you could do and cater towards that child or that family because one thing I've noticed a lot is we're all individual. We all be unique. Yes, we might have the same heartbeats, you know, similar organs and all these things, but sometimes like our environment shifts us and has us see the world differently. So we have to provide information in a very unique way. So like that's just how I kind of crafted out my stuff. But one thing I started noticing is like, well, I'm going through <laughs> this this transformation in my life. So I started implementing a lot of things and techniques with my personal self that I started giving to these families and kind of how I created like my system. So like I changed my lifestyle that I'm plant-based. Been plant-based for about like eight years. Don't force it on nobody. It's just like something that I wanted to do for myself. I have my reasons for it. And it's been great for me ever since. Yoga meditation has been um, great for me as well as running. I started doing 5Ks, half marathons, marathons when I moved to New York in 2013. What else did I do? Oh, travel. I was been extremely like 
important in my life and shift my mindset. So every component, everything I have within my organization is a piece of me. I'm like my own case study. It's like, oh, well, it works for me. Let me see if I could produce and bring this back to the neighborhood. And also like long walks on the park. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> and well, let's be clear. You're on the West. So I'm in South Florida. You're on the West Coast, correct? You're in California. Yes, Are yes, you there? Los Angeles. Okay. So yeah, Los Angeles, California. Yeah. Okay. That is amazing. And I know, you know, I'm always fascinated um, when my guests come on and share their story because you guys are like zip line through. You're like, oh yeah, I just did this and this. And it's like, hold up, time out. Cause that's all amazing. Because to your point, yes, black and brown children or, you know, that come from the low economic neighborhoods that don't have a lot of the opportunities, you know, they already got to start, you know, with, with, how many levels of, of barriers against them to kind of get through. And then the PTSD that comes with that within their neighborhoods of the things that they see and their parents not having the skill set to be able to cope and do what's the term now that's more like the peaceful parenting, you know, so the, the generations and the things that come through. So that's amazing that within your community, even going back to what your job is to kind of try and, and instill and make some change. What changes did you see once you started implementing and saying, hey, why don't we try different approaches? What changes did you see when you had data to back up and say, look, let's try some breath work or, you know, to your point, some kids, if they have to take medication, it might not work for everybody, right? Yeah, what, you know, yeah. what, what did you see physically that you were like, wow, this is working? Well, one thing I would say is patience is a lot because also you have to think about the environment itself. So yes, I'm there probably once or twice a week working with one family. I had 22 clients at a time and I had to see all mm-hmm. 22 in a week driving all. And we did like outpatient therapy into your house. I'm physically pulling up. So like, you know, it was just draining on myself. But what I had to do is to show up and provide consistent, consistent, consistent mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes. measures. And what I was able to see and quantify the impact was this growth seeing the kids decrease their behaviors. Or when they do get triggered, they resort to a coping skill, some type of intervention Mm. we discuss. So, for example, I had a kid, Kobe Bryant was one of his favorite players, right? So I'm like, all right, this is, and he lived like next next to a park. So I'm like, all right, you're about 14 years old. When you start feeling warm and body, let's figure out like, how can you start feeling things, get so in tune with your body to where you feel this. And when you feel this, it's the breaking point before you snap. So once you get to that point, how can you start doing some things like, let's go take a walk to the park. So free throws is one thing I start working with him first. It's like, okay, well, when you're at the free throw line, what do you see Kobe doing every time he bounces the ball three times in his routine? Holds it, what does he do in his face? Let's look at videos. Oh, he takes a a deep breath. Absolutely. So he's taking a deep breath to calm himself and calm the noise out in a ring and that's everybody's booing him. So he can actually focus and shoot this free throw and make it. So when you're getting anxiety, when you're feeling some type of way, let's bounce the ball. Let's take about three, four deep breaths and let's release. So what I was doing was programming in a positive way to once he starts feeling anxiety, anxious, or anything that's about to be triggering to take these deep breaths and then release and then calm down. So like after like, you know, a year, <laughs> you know, you start seeing these things happen on their own. And that's how like you're able to like you know, quantify the impact on it. 
I love it. I love it. That's such a good way for you to be able to say that you recognize, okay, because again, each person, I, I would imagine you have to meet them where they're at, right? The situation oh, that's, that that's, they're in. That's what we say all the time. We we meet everybody where they're at. Mentally, physically, you know, figuratively, like everything. Like we meet you where you're at because it's important. You know, we have to identify where you're at in a place of life and provide something that makes sense. So where you're not overwhelmed and get so much overwhelmed that you just push away uh, the resource. Or that they something that they just don't enjoy. So you are able yeah. you know, to recognize yeah. and say, look, okay, Kobe Bryant. Well, of yeah. course, if you're going to show him videos on Kobe Bryant and someone that he's actually respects, someone that he idolizes, that makes sense. So now maybe when he's in a situation, which, or like you said, over time, you saw that he could be like, all right, what would Kobe do? Okay, well, I have to breathe before. It's crazy because we try and do that now with my soon-to-be four-year-old because he starts going... And I'm like, breathe. Or I'll tell him, you can be upset if you need to yell, just go into your room and and you just see him breathing and then he'll come out and he's like, okay, I'm ready. Because kids are just learning. And I think it's so sad though, again, thinking about the children who don't have that, right? Who are trying to figure out on their own because kids truly just are figuring it out. They don't mean any harm. They're, you know, it's no offense to us. They're just he's mad. So all he knows yeah. when he's mad right now is to do what his body's telling him what to do, which is make a face, yell, yeah. punch, whatever it is. And it's our job as the adults to try and find a better way. But no, that's amazing that you recognize that. So you're doing all of this work where, how does that lead to you creating our own and you branching out on your own, so to speak? And <laughs> yeah. how does that turn into to where you are at today? Like I was saying, like once I started implementing a lot of these ideas within my own programming with the families I work with, I started seeing like I started clashing a lot with my supervisors because, you know, it's a lot of red tape when you're working with you know federal um, funded program or organizations. So like you have to run in a certain type of way. And I'm like, all right, like I hear you guys, but like here's the data. <laughs> here's what we're doing that's actually like, you know, working because everything's not for everybody. And if you're just always hitting a problem with one solution, like you're not going to win all the time. So like I started then find like, well, we have a lot of problems within our communities, requires a lot of different solutions. So I have a multifaceted mindset. My mind, that's just always how it works. I just see things so much. I'm like, all right, well, we could fix this this way, do this this way, which creates me like, you know, allows me to be somewhat like nimble as much as possible. So when it came to like our own in the self, like I start writing down different pillars and things that I feel work for myself and see if I could start providing this in a way that makes sense. So I moved to New York 2013 for an idea of possibly what could be love. <laughs> it lasts like two months. But, uh, did, you say, did you say to be in love? Part of the possibilities of or the idea of what love could possibly be. Oh, and um, yeah, it work out with me and her. It lasts oh. about two, <laughs> two months, you know, but it got me out of my comfort zone. Yes. and allowed me to live in New York, which was like the best thing for me. And I always wanted to go there. The energy, the people, the history, the culture. And my grandfather, who's like this reason behind like a lot of these things, we used to have so many conversations while he was still here. He will always talk about like his favorite leaders, the Marcus Garvey's, the mm-hmm. James Baldwin's, the Malcolm X, the Harlem Renaissance, and all this stuff that was just happening back east, and how like just that um, that energy and created mm-hmm. community. Like he instilled so much of that within me. So while I'm out there, I'm just getting inspired. And I was just on a corner one day, like waiting for my train, and I just did like a 360, and something just hit me. You just had those moments, and I went into the CVS. 
and bought like a poster board, a Sharpie, and went back to the house and just started writing down ideas. Wow. Wrote down, like wrote down the name and just started planning from there. And then I wanted to see like, okay, what do I want to tackle first? Like what was the first thing that I did that helped change my life? So it was like gut health. I focused on food first and wanted to like tackle that. And then from there, go into like different pillars, which allowed me to like, you know, identify like the model and how I wanted to like tackle attack these different problems and hit them with different solutions within the underserved community for uh, within Los Angeles. And after I had my my term up there in New York and have fun, I moved back with my resources out here in Los Angeles and kind of like just started the process from there. Wow. Let me go to the gut health. What was it? What research that you did? Talk a little bit about it. Cause I know that's a, that's a thing right now and not a thing, but people are recognizing that. Right. You know, yeah. and I'm so thankful for social media because I follow so many real doctors that yeah. promote recipes and things like really good information. What mm-hmm. was it that you recognize or what research that you realized was something that had to start from there to then tackle some of these other things? Yeah, so in the beginning, I had a lady friend of mine, she had like an autoimmune disease. And I was just like, at the time, she was saying like, it was like not curable or whatever. I was like, oh, okay, well, let's figure out what it is. So I just started researching, researching, researching. Mm-hmm. And I'm just typing all type of things into Google. And all this stuff is popping back up about like food, diet, exercise, change, all these things. And then I, I came across like the doctor course. And then I started going to people who was having testimonies and putting their information out there like, hey, I had cancer. I had this. And I started doing A, B, and C. I started going to doctors and like now it's like non-detectable. Wow. So I'm like, huh. And I started reaching out and I started having conversations with strangers like online, like, so tell me more. So you what? You ate vegetables. <laughs> what does that even mean? Like broccoli <laughs> and cheese on top? Like what do you <laughs> And to start going deep into it. And then um Unfortunately, my grandfather got diagnosed with liver and lung cancer. So like I started going really deeper into it and wanted to figure out how to save him. Once I came across this more stuff, this about like the importance of gut health and like the microbiome within your dad provides like just so much. And it's like our second brain. Some would think it's our first brain because it goes in, feeds our entire system and goes to our brain to create this clarity. Um, that's needed to receive an information. So I told my grandfather, like, oh, I'm gonna just turn you vegan. And he was like, I'm not doing none of that yet. <laughs> the <laughs> old like, school. Yeah, he's like, I, I've yeah. been survived this far. This far, I'm good. My grandfather was like, his favorite word was shit. So he was like, yo, I'm not doing none of that yet. Just like, <laughs> let me, let me go. Let me just do yeah. my thing. You know, I, it's okay. I live my life. I did it to myself, whatever the case is. So, but he told me like, look, if you think this is something that's beneficial to you and something that's preventative, like, promised me that you would continue to do it. And I kind of like made that promise there with him and took this path on like this eating healthier exercise and all that. And I started seeing a change within my own self. Stop getting sick. I used to tear down hot dogs and chili cheese dogs all the time. and <laughs> yeah. Morning bacon sandwiches and just all this. I would have a lot of stomach issues. I would have acid reflex a lot. I would get sick constantly. And once mm-hmm. I shifted that, and I started paying attention. I was like, okay, like my body's feeling different, I'm lighter. I have more energy. I'm, I'm actually sleeping well, like getting a great night's sleep. My mind's clear. I'm able to receive information better than mm. what I was. And once I started paying it, because it took me a minute to get there, but once I started paying attention to that, I was like, it might be something here. So let me just continue to like dive in. And I just start coming across more certified nutritionists, wow. actual doctors that are like, yeah, you know, because 
even when you go to a doctor and there's something wrong, if you have like high blood sugar, cholesterol issues, whatever, like, you know, they'll tell you like, hey, you need to change your diet. You need to eat more fruits mm-hmm. and vegetables. You need to exercise. You need to do these things because it's important to reduce this information stuff that you're causing to your body because of all these things and putting in it. So mm-hmm. that was like my relationship just around food and just allowed me to continue to like dive into it. So it's been about eight years so far. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. Our body is our temple. And I wanted you to touch into that because I wanted my listeners to hear the importance of that because I've had doctors and other people who've come on, but you know, you're, you're regular person like me. And you're like, look, I had, I made this change. You know, I did my own research. I always tell people do your own thing. Yeah. It's Um, important. You have to do your own research. There's so much out there right now where you got too many people just throwing stuff out there. And a lot of this is, I call it like headline news. You go read the headline and not go deep into the article. And I mean, they'll spread the headline out there as, as if it's facts without doing their research. I'm like, bro, like, there's so much more to this food and everybody's different. Once you get so in tune with your body, you're able to listen and see what your body, your body might actually need that, that fish. <laughs> your body might need this, you know, but you have to fully listen to it and feed it what it needs. For and sure. Yeah. I went for acupuncture for my first time and we were talking and she would, you know, I was like, sometimes I crave like beef and I try not to eat beef too much, yeah. at least never at, at home, maybe out. And she's like, look, if that's what your body's craving, drink some bone broth or, you know, yeah. go to get like organic beef. She's like, listen to your body, but there yeah. are healthy ways to then, you know, correct. Maybe not get a chili cheese dog or yeah. get something filled <laughs> with preservatives, you know, she's like, but there is ways you could get like organic grass fed beef and cook it healthy. And I was like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. And she's like, cause your body knows what it needs and listen to it. And I do, I get those cravings every so often. She's like, doesn't mean you need to have a cheeseburger, but you know, there are ways. So that's good that you mentioned that. And I, I can see how with children, again, that makes a difference because look at all the things you said you're sleeping better okay well studies show children when they have a good night's sleep I know for my son when he's restful and he's not cranky he'll listen more when he's tired I already know it's going to go left so imagine children that constantly don't have the good sleep because maybe they're hungrier they're not eating well having to be sick the clarity that's so good that you said that of giving your brain the, the cloudiness to go away because that's what I would see so much with the families I work with like some of the kids will eat you know, Takis or Hot Cheetos all day and like yes. noodles. And, and that's just like dinner, lunch and breakfast. Arizona iced teas or sodas. I'm like, there's no water going into your body. I would like create like a whole food plan. I'm like, look, I'm not trying to take Takis away, but we're going to implement Takis after school at lunch, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cut it down instead of seven days a week. It'll be like, yeah, yeah we'll five. do it for five yes, days yes. and then we'll go to three and then we'll yes, work on yes. like, excluding it completely. But we're going to incorporate here some apples, here's some oranges, here's, here's a salad, here's these things that we're going to do every day. And I'm going to use my own money to uh, ensure that it happens because, again, the families and the communities I used to go into are food deserts. Like, there's no access to healthy foods either. So that was another important thing I saw when I was, like, creating, like, my organization and how to provide the access. If I'm preaching this, that's cool. The environment is still toxic. So once I leave, if I'm not as consistent, like, showing up every day with, here, here's a salad a day, then... They're going to party. Yeah, he's like, yeah, Justin, this is great, but where am I supposed to get this salad again? That's a whole nother unfortunate thing. But you're absolutely right, because now he's like, okay, like, how am I supposed to keep up with this? You know, the Cheetos, the little bodegas, the little stores, the convenience stores, 
they're mm -hmm. pumping all of these snacks and things that aren't healthy for you more all the fast food shops so how is he supposed to to know to do better if Absolutely. there's nothing there so let's go into our own what are the programs offered what's the inspiration behind the name and how do you hope to impact your community i would say the inspiration behind the name goes back again to my grandfather and where i grew up so i'm from originally from carson california that's what I was raised up that neighborhood in itself my grandfather bought in uh, when it was a new development. So he had like a cool job working at the shipyard, um, the docks out here in Long Beach. And he was able to provide for the entire family for my dad, uncle and aunt, as well as like my grandma. And then, you know, me and my sister were the two grandbabies. But like the block that we grew up on was so communal. It was this, everybody knew each other. Everybody looked out for one another. And everybody comes from the, uh, the same generation where it was just a lot of pride into self. You know, and that was like during like the 70s, 80s, where like Black Pride was just like, yo, we love ourselves. We love how we look. We love our Afros. We love all these things. We love our culture. And the neighborhood I grew up in was predominantly Black. So it was just always this good feel. And my grandfather would always just, again, preach to me like, we have to take care of ourselves because no one's really going to do it for us. And it's like no different today. Unfortunately, when we live in like underserved inner city communities, black and brown communities are less funded. They're less resourced. None of these things are necessarily happening unless we do for ourselves. And that's where we start seeing more improvement. And then we force the issue because we have power, we have leverage. We always say like, we got to take care of our own. We got to take care of our own. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and I was like, all right, but we got to take care of our own. So, and then like, you know, he'll talk about his philosophers and everybody that he loved. And then going into like the Marcus Garvey's or the Malcolm X's. And when you look at the core of what they was doing was developing infrastructure and systems that allowed our people to thrive. So when it came, when I got to Harlem, literally like when I was on 125th in Lenox, standing on the corner waiting for the 2-3 train, it just hit me. And I was like, this is Harlem. This is where the Harlem Renaissance went down in the 20s or whatever. We own a lot of these buildings, clubs, restaurants, and everything. We kind of like lost our way. Like, how do we get that back? And I just really start writing stuff down. Like, our own this, our own that. If we had our own this. And I'm like, why not just go with the name our own? <laughs> because it is like a, a nice universal, easy, you know, two words. So I'm like, all right, everybody's familiar with what it means. It's kind of like my fubu, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. And ownership. Your grandfather talked about ownership. That's key yeah. to anything. It's it's why a lot of white people or people who come yeah. from wealthy neighborhoods, they pass down ownership, the generation yeah. of wealth, whether it's land, whether it's buildings, it's mm -hmm. ownership, you know, and taking care of your own, correct, which is what they're doing, right? Passing it down, yeah. passing it down, whatever that might be. I uh, love it. So go in to tell me some of the programs offered and services offered. I see here, which you will get into, you have something coming up on September 5th, the Vibrate Hire. So yeah, tell me a little bit about what you guys do. Yeah, so like some programs, like me and my business partner, like Lee Johnson, we focus on, again, like the pillars that we want to like tackle. And a lot of it is still stem from everything I put myself through, from gut health, travel, to a physical and mental fitness. So the first program when I came back from New York was a seed and soil. So again, like, how can I come into these communities and educate and provide these resources on nutritional health if there's really nothing around? So I'm like, oh, how can I go about this? Donations are not really coming in like that. I have some savings. I have a partner that, you know, is willing to probably give me some upfront money. 
So let's just see what's the cheapest way, but still impactful. But also I'm big on aesthetics and I love experience. So I bought like a 40 foot transit bus and gutted it out and converted into a mobile market. So that was like the first concept of seed and soil. And I would drive that into like different neighborhoods. And yes, you could walk on, you could pick up your, your kale, your cilantro, you know, your tomatoes or whatever. But then also I created and built like this lounge in the back. You know, I had like this vinyl player I put on there as well. So while you come out there and shop, yeah, go and put on some uh, some Marvin Gaye and just like let that play throughout the throughout the bus while you shop and have this vibe. You know, I have books and stuff back there as well because again, like everything just still stems from the energy I got from my my family, my grandfather, and everything. Like we always listen to like jazz and old school R and B. Well, ways well, that's like just chill and just relax and just experience this energy. So that was the first thing. So like now, Seed and Soul is is grown and scaled into like our agritech and nutrition initiative. Just last year during COVID, we was able to provide 150,000 um, meals wow. to families throughout Los Angeles. Unfortunately, the bus blew up on me like six months after like oh, I, <laughs> I started and I just didn't have the money to like, you know, rebuild the engine and all that. But, you know, I was still able to provide and still pull up in different neighborhoods, renting vans and taking that approach. And even also during COVID too, like, yeah, there's a lot of good you know, every cause is a good cause. So there was a lot of good um, programs out there and food drives and food banks. But one thing I noticed again, by sitting back and paying attention, a lot of families from the communities that were needing the food the most that got hit economically the most during uh, the beginning of COVID didn't have transportation, mm. couldn't really leave their homes like that. So develop a system. Here's easy, like, let's figure out how to spread the word, provide your information, and then I'll just deliver to your doorstep. And that's what I started doing. Like we was delivering <laughs> bags and bags of produce throughout Los Angeles. And it was it was good. Like we did it and we're still doing it. It's died down a lot more, but like in the heat of everything last year, it was just, we was going a lot. <laughs> and the thing too, like it was hard to kind of get grants and sponsorships because not that I have control issues, <laughs> but I like the experience. And I don't like to treat things like charity because that's not how I was raised. You know, we look at everybody as family. How do we take care of one another? And if you're just going without, let's provide this. But like, I don't want you to feel bad about receiving or asking. Like, you know, I want you to ask for help if needed. So within our produce bags, like we didn't only just give you, you know, here's fruit, vegetables, here's grains, here's spices, here's herbs. Here's all these things that are like good for your immune system. But also here's a form. Here's recipe recommendations because I might give you acorn squash and you're going to look like, yo, what I'm going to do with acorn squash, you know, but like, here's some recipe, recipe uh, recommendation. Here's the benefits of these foods that's in the bag. And here's a QR code that takes you to a video that provides representation of someone actually making these meals. So it might be a black male, a Latino woman or whoever cooking these meals for you that provides the representation needed. So now you're kind of receiving like a, a box in the mail for this experience versus like, yo, you're hungry, you're going without, here's celery, eggs, and milk. Yeah. You know, I don't know what you're going to do with it, but it's food, figure it out. So I'm big on experience and that's like our seed and soul. Be Right Back is our STEM and mentorship program. So within Be Right Back, it initially started off, well, it's still like a 12-week program, but like we had a travel component. So like the very first one we did was we went through the 12 weeks, providing the kids within the city, giving them everything that I didn't receive when I was younger. 
So financial literacy, education on that, but also making it fun and cool. So I didn't want to have some person in a suit from Wells Fargo talking at you. Like, no, nah, this is somebody from your neighborhood who's probably close in age, but he works at Mirror Lynch. <laughs> and he has a lot of wealthy clients. And he actually went to inner city schools just like you. Right. And it's now called Hustlenomics because obviously Nipsey Hustle. So we're going to use mm-hmm. terms that Nipsey talked about, vertical integration, profit loss statements, all these things that you hear in the rap songs and put it into a dialogue that makes sense to where you'd be able to receive it in a way that speaks to you. Again, meeting you where you at. Regurgitate that back out to us and let me know that it actually sticks and let's develop a business from there. Then we provided wellness. So we did like weekly yoga meditation with the, um, the kids. We did different experiences around Los Angeles that they have not seen. One like going to a beach or a hike trail, <laughs> you know, going hiking. Those things, when you're starting to see more things, it, it just shift your perspective of life the world becomes bigger but then to make even bigger than that we provided them all passports and provided them a trip abroad so in 2019 we took six young men to cuba for their first trip and blew their mind they was out there just speaking with everybody we gave them because we wanted to like figure out how to do um, qualitative and qualitative uh, data on it so like well here's some questions about cuba before you go answer them Based off with the U.S. or school or news or whatever has given you, give us that. When we go, you're going to answer these same questions based off talking to the people there, being around the culture, hanging amongst the locals. Because I travel different. I, I like to hang with the locals. I'm not too. Yes. to touristy stuff. I need, I need culture. And I need it from the people from there. So mm-hmm. they was able to get a different perspective of the Fidel Castro era. They was able to understand the Yoruba religion. You know, they was able to go into the food, the music, the drums. It was just so much. Like one of the kids cried. He was like, I don't even know why I'm crying, man. It's just, I feel like this is home. And it's like, these are kids that come from the hood. These are kids that were living in um, areas that are just like crime rate is high, obviously. Like it's just stuff that's just going wrong. But for them to see a different part of the world and just look at poverty even different. You know, our happiness different. Like everything just shifted the mindset. Kids came back, grades improved, graduation rates up, attendance is on point, aggression is down. Like it's just so much things and behavior you start seeing. But because of the pandemic, we wasn't able to follow the trip component up in 2020 because we were supposed to go to Egypt with young men and young women. But we was able to um, build out a pandemic, pandemic pod. So again, a problem that's within the inner city is the lack of access to certain jobs, opportunities, education. We provided internship opportunities at companies that make sense. So we know we're moving into a world where advertising market is high. We know we're moving into a tech world. We know we're moving into like all these components that inner city schools are not teaching the kids, unfortunately. You go to a private school, they got a whole class on robotics. <laughs> you know, they got a whole room where you build a robot. Honestly, not even, <laughs> not even in private schools. You go to some regular middle class, higher levels. There's yeah. a high school down the street from us that my husband was like, wow, they actually just implemented a robotics. You could have a robotics program. Actually, no, they collaborate with the community college. The high school collaborates with the community college to do a whole robotics section. That's not even a private yeah. school. But the inner city schools, the lower income schools, they don't have those same opportunities. At all. So like what we see, we see that as a problem. Like, all right, well, how do we solve it as much as we can as a grassroots organization? Let's identify certain kids that are willing to be a part. And cool, we're going to test this out and do this pandemic pod. So at this one company out here, the CEO reached out and we connected, had a good conversation. It's like, okay, let's make it safe. 
I have this huge office space. The kids can actually come here. We'll buy them all MacBook Pros. We'll get them everything that they need because a lot of kids also was doing their schoolwork from their cell phones, which was a struggle. And they're like feet are up in their bed and they can't really do their work. So we brought them out the house, put them here. They all was able to do their work. They work improved. They was focused. But also after school was over, it goes into the internship. So now you're getting a hands-on experience on today's in real time advertising and marketing, how this company with large clients like Bloomberg, NPR, how they're helping these companies and the things that's going behind the scenes on how to like get clients, how to keep clients, how to submit ads online. So they were getting a hands-on experience. And after that, a few of our kids were able to get full-time positions there. We provided internships at large commercial real estate firms. We provide internships at fabrication design build companies. So now kids are getting hands-on experience in fields and using the skill set that they have that they didn't know they could get a job. And I think that's really important. Also, representation. There are a lot of Black and brown people in positions that are doing great that no one really knows about because, again, we focus on sports entertainment in our communities because that's the way to get out. But when we look at like, yo, such and such is an engineer, you know, and she's making like 500 grand a year. She's changing the world. I did not know that. Yes, let's connect you, get mentorship. So like that's our Be Right Back program. We're doing a lot more with that within like the next year. So keep scaling that program. And then our last pillar, again, is focused on the mental and physical fitness side. So that's self. Again, this is something I put myself through from running 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, to yoga meditation, to cycling, to all these things that I start seeing an improvement on. And again, there's not one way to solve a problem. All these things are needed. You know, our body is connected. Like we have a toothache or something's going on. You might have a connection to a part of your, your heart or your liver or something because everything in the body is connected. So education on everything is important. So we like to implement all these things and provide access resource. So like self, we have a run club in Inglewood, California, which is still like a predominantly Black Latino uh, community. And again, a lot of people run around our city. They don't run through it. So how do we bring this energy to the community and get people involved? We treat it like a family. We treat it like fun. And it's being led by someone that's from the community. A lot of energy, excitement. And it's like, okay, I want to come out and run three miles every week with this group because of that right before the pandemic um, everything shut down and we had like 36 people from the community that who had never run a marathon run a marathon that's only probably one or two percent of people in the world that actually runs a marathon so that's huge for a community that's considered heart diseases at an all-time high diabetes all these things are high because again there's no access to resources on these things there's no yoga studios in our community there's no run clubs like that like there's no cycling really like we have to go to the cover cities or yeah. the predominantly white neighborhoods to get access to this and no one really wants to drive over there so our goal again provide access resources make it cool make it fun because we like to have a good time with everything making an experience I love it. And I have so many questions and before oh, yeah. <laughs> how people can like donate or how you help to get funding because you're only one person. I know you have a board of directors and stuff, but it all sounds amazing, but it does call it's again, it's resources, it's expensive, right? Yeah. It's expensive. Yeah. So we'll get into that. But before you had said something and it registered with me, it's like California is yeah. known, you know, it's this beautiful state. You can go to the mountains and then the, by the next day be at the beach, right? It's like this, yeah. you know, for beauty, for landscape and all of that. But you talk to people that have lived in Inglewood or any of the other 
I guess, low income, you know, brown or Latino communities that have never experienced that. And it's crazy because all they know are the blocks within their radius without realizing, like you said, I can go hiking. What's hiking? Yeah. I never would have thought to go hiking. And that's mind boggling to me yeah. because like I said, it's right there. It's right yeah. there. So the fact that you even have to come and be like, you know, we can go for a hike. Huh? You yeah. can leave the radius. And to me, I feel like that is probably one of like those little tweaks and those little differences that they know, like, look, you can go for a hike. You can go to the beach, you, you know, drive up this way. You can get out of the limitations that society has put on you that you should only be at or that you can only do. Cause you had said that, like you're like, yeah, it's like, it's hiking. They never, and I'm like, y'all in California, you guys have <laughs> such a right. beautiful, the amount of parks and things. And it's, yeah, it's sad that a lot of kids don't know that. But it's not even just California. Or yeah, true. It's California. Like, cause like I live, like when I lived in New York, you know how many people I've met that haven't left the borough? Like, yeah. man, you never left Brooklyn? Nah, yes. man, there's no reason to go over there, son. What? <laughs> what do you mean? My husband's from Brooklyn and it's crazy because he moved directly from Brooklyn to Coral Springs, Florida, night and day. He went from living, correct. He always says, he's like, I lived in the hood. I wasn't poor, yeah. but I lived in the hood. We yeah. had a home. Two blocks over were, you know, the project. He moves to Coral Springs, Florida. The complete opposite. There's houses, there's trees. It's all white people. So he went from all right. black people to all white people. <laughs> and he's like what the hell and he had I mean he could have gone to Manhattan and of course right. I mean he did he he traveled with his family and they would go to the beach and stuff but as far as your community and and who he went to school with that yeah. was crazy to me because I grew up in South Florida as well but we didn't have birth so we were more diverse in, in certain things so I, I I went to school with other nationalities and and races but to your point yes when they're living in on the block they're like no for what because again society thinks it correct and it's they limit those children to think what is there for me yeah. which is why someone like you to bring someone in who can show I've been where you are look at where I'm at in 2019 I did a career day and it was for a school in a neighborhood that again low-income neighborhood predominantly black and brown students and a friend of mine anyway she was like one of the assistant principals and she's like look on Facebook pleading for anyone to come do career day because most of the people say they're going to come but they don't show up well I was a controller at the time so I was like, yeah, I was like, I think that would be kind of dope for them to see a woman of color, you know, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, my last name to see that and to show up and they could be like a controller. What the hell is that? So I went yeah. and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Those little first graders, I brought my computer. <laughs> I told them I'm in charge of the money. And they were like, I can be in charge of money. And I'm like, yes. And there were what, seven, what's first grade, seven years old? Yeah, like six, yeah. like six, seven years old, yeah. But the questions and how intrigued that they were from the conversations, I was like, God, we need more of this, of people that look like me, of people that look like you to come and speak to these kids and be like, look, X, Y, Z, you can be this. To your point, it's not just entertainment or playing a sport, that you can be in a field of accounting, bookkeeping, engineering any of those things and the kids it was it was one of the best experiences I ever did they were so in tuned I showed them spreadsheets and how we put in the numbers and they were just blown away this is they were like this is so cool so you mentioning that it's like it's true you know and we need we need more of that we need more more people like you to to do the work so now going into that how do you get funding because I know getting grants so I've, talked to, <laughs> I've told I've talked to people 
with my own business, people are like, don't do, don't become a 501c, don't become a nonprofit because it's hard to get funding. What do you do? <laughs> How do you so, do it? Yeah, so it's it's extremely hard. There are benefits to being a 501c3, but it's a lot of <laughs> your own money, time, sweat, equity. Because the things I face is I constantly have to prove myself. Have you done it before? No. All right, well, do it and come back. Hey, I've done it. All right, well, did you do it this way? No, do it this way. Come back. Well, maybe, I don't know, what's, like, here's $5,000. You know, it becomes always trying to like show and prove that we're an organization and not just a grassroots organization that's just like, you know, we, we do big impact stuff. Mm-hmm. And we even collect data on all the things we do, which a lot of nonprofits that are around, grassroots or even large, sometimes don't have that data to, to show like the or quantify their impact. So when it comes to corporate sponsorships, a lot of the money would go to the NAACPs, the Color of Change, the Black Lives Matter, the commercial, the, the ones that we hear. Yep. Because it's easy to see a structure. Like, well, they've been around for 20 years where it's a structure. Let's just give to this. I'm like, well, we have a structure as well. And here it is. And this is what we've been able to do with little to no money. And here's our three to five year plan to actually show that we want to probably scale to this if we was able to have like a strategic partner that made sense. You know, but a lot of times some corporations don't see it. We'll get donations here and there from like the community people. We'll get some sponsorships here and there. But Again, it's just, it's difficult. It's just constantly pitching all day long. Like I'm on Zoom calls almost every day, selling the organization and kind of like, look, this is what we do. Look, if it doesn't make sense, I get it. But I'm seeing what you guys are doing and there's so much alignment. I, like I'm not shifting my programming up at all, but we do so many different things. It's kind of hard for corporations to say, no, it's not like, yo, we just need the homeless. Like, nah, we don't. We do so many things and so many different elements. And that's the whole point of having so many different initiatives under our umbrella. It's because, again, like I said, there's not one way to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. And all these things work together. Like in order to see the world differently, some people might have to like eat differently. You need this information to recharge yourself, da, 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 da. And then provide an opportunity. And now that you prepare for the opportunity, now you could grow within this space and then you can circle that back and bring it back, which is why like our symbol in itself, he has this two O's coming together, but it's more so like that community constant flow of circulation coming back and returning. Once you leave, you come back and provide and keep growing, you know, and it's a system that has been done like that in different cultures for years. So there's nothing different that we're doing, but yeah, the funding part, it gets, it gets difficult, but like we've been seeing the last three years, it's been slowly going up. And I think we're starting to have better conversations with the yes people, like the yes person at Google, the yes person at MX, the yes person at Amazon. So like our work is being seen. We recently been acknowledged for like the work that we've been doing from certain big brands, like the NFL, you know, Super Bowl is coming up and they identify our organization as one that's doing a lot of dope and amazing and powerful work in the community. So like, that's going to be putting us on a large scale. So now, and then Sony, I think that was the biggest, the biggest thing we received from like a, a, a corporate partnership. We inspired Sony to create this million dollar fund to give to other graduate organizations that don't often get the love because of the work we do with little. 
and we love content like if you just go to like our instagram page or something like that you'll see these videos like in 2019 no 2020 we produce 71 videos ourselves like me and my business partner we shoot edit color wow. and high quality like we rent high quality cameras we watch youtube videos on how to do these things and then we go produce and capture because again it's storytelling and that's the best way to sell your organization sometimes is to tell the story and to hear from the people that's receiving it so like if the kids are comfortable enough to share their experience like yo i was in this program this is what it did to me sometimes corporations they need to hear that versus it coming from my mouth because all they hear is the sales pitch if they connect with the people it'd be you know you pull on something that just makes more sense it's been difficult but like we're getting there and that's the beauty I will tell you this because I've been building, maybe this is an off-air conversation of some things I've learned along the way as well of how easy it is to go to email and and maybe you guys already done this of your local news, your local um, newspapers, because I met with someone at the chamber and she's like, they want stories. And for yeah. someone like you, because I'm still in the beginning stages, I, I have so much I'm trying to do as well. And talking to you is motivating me. You know, I have my podcast and I have different things I'm doing, but really trying to channel what that is. She was like, go with their story. So it's like, reach out to those stations and say, look, we're having this drive. Just keep, keep emailing and something will stick, which I'm sure, you know, if you're seeing it going up, yeah, I know when you're in it, you're like, whew your blood, sweat, yeah. and tears, it's a different right. thing because you're doing like, this full time, correct? <laughs> yeah, I left, I left my, my job two years ago two and a half years ago to take on this full time. So, but I was smart about it. You know, I was raised, you know, to like really take care of business and think differently. So like I saved a lot of money before because <laughs> I knew like this is going to be me, me putting like more of my money. And so I created savings for myself to live for like about two, three years. And then I created savings for to pour into the organization. And then my business partner came on that provides a skill that I don't have. And that's been extremely helpful because I would have to pay for that. And that saves a lot more money where he's his own board and we're just building this together. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So now let's go into your journey into becoming a doula and why it was so important to become one. What was that journey like on a high level? You know, I don't want to rush through it by no means, but what inspired it? What do you hope to accomplish with being a doula? And particularly, who are you helping? Who are those clients? Who are you trying to reach? So again, I grew up in a a fun, but it also interesting and open family. (laughs) A lot of women in my family. I have three sisters. One is older. So me and my older sister, we're 11 months, 10 days apart. So we grew up together. I have an aunt and a grandma who is, they don't hold nothing back on life. Even when it comes to that, everything they're going through every month. As a kid, as a hear, like I'll probably be watching like Saturday morning cartoons or something. They'll come out and just say like the wildest thing. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but like you just destroy Power Rangers right now. <laughs> what are you talking about? But like because of that open dialogue and this open communication with this family, it has allowed me to look at women and their bodies different. So as I got a little bit older, like I was always interested into women's anatomy and how things come to existence, right? So I look at the world differently as well. I admire the sun. I look at the moon. I like plants that grow from soil. Like these things, I try my best not to um, take for granted because these things are amazing. So when it comes into women, you guys are able to do something we can't, right? Which is give birth to us. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, yes, does it take uh, two? You guys need our sperm, sure. But like the process that's going on internally, we can't relate to that 
on no circumstances. My younger sister was what kind of like sparked it more so. So she was uh, 21 when she first got pregnant and she unfortunately had a stillbirth. Um, at this time, I was living in New York and she was going to college in Oklahoma at Langston University. So she wasn't necessarily getting probably like the proper help or she didn't have the proper support system around her. She was just out there on her own. And we're a tight-knit family. So when she uh, moved back, she had to go through the process of delivering that at five months. And, you know, that could do a lot just to your mental, right? I can't imagine. I know how I felt when I saw her going through it. But what she's feeling inside from feeling a heartbeat to hearing, oh like, God, there's yes. no more heartbeat, is just a lot. From that moment, I just started again. It's kind of like when I heard my friend had an autoimmune disease or my grandfather got diagnosed with cancer, I started Googling. Stillbirth, how do you solve this? Like, what da 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 And I eventually came across in-home birth, holistic approaches, like natural births and all these things. I'm like, okay, what is all these things? Let me just go more into the woman's body, like what's going on inside. And then I came across this birth center in Los Angeles called Kendrick Space LA. And I started following them on Instagram. And at this time, I'm just like constantly just looking like, oh, this is, oh, a doula. Okay, what is a doula? Let me Google that now. So now I know I have a term to Google. Oh, this is what a doula does. Okay, you um, provide support, mental, physical, emotional, informational, like all these things. Okay, that's cool. And I just kept following them and just looking at all the things that they were post, like breastfeeding, lactation, like what's going on in the body, the placenta, mm -hmm. first, second, third trimester, all these things. That's going on. I'm like, all this goes into pregnancy? Like, <laughs> my God. Because we, like, we look at it, and as a man, like, yeah, this stuff happens every day. So we tend to normalize it, right? And one thing I try my best to do is not normalize things that are extraordinary. So a plant that grows from a seed or fruit that bear from a tree, the sun comes up, ocean, like, all these things are extraordinary to me. So childbirth as well is the same thing. Like, what goes on to a woman's body is extraordinary. Like, wow, like. Y'all know what's going on inside there, fellas. Our like, organs have to move and adjust to grow this child. Yeah. Like, like yeah. it's, it's it's amazing. So I started tapping into that a little bit more. I'm like, I, I want to become a, and I was saying that more so for the education. Like, I want to be certified for myself. Not that I want to take on as a career path, but like, I want to be certified for myself so I'm prepared. So whenever I have my own, I'm able to show up as the best self as I can to make sure. My, my woman is like taken care of. Sure. So when my sister got pregnant again, obviously a lot of concerns, nervous. I'm like, look, I'm gonna pay for you and get your doula, which I did. And then the doula's like, hey, you know, typically I um, charge for an assistant. Your sister tells me that you actually want to become one. Do you want to be my assistant? And I can actually reduce <laughs> the costs. I was like, what? I can just save money and get hands-on experience because I'm gonna be there every day anyway. regardless. This is my little sister. I'm like, well, all right, cool. Fuck it. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. signed his contract and it was great like I was there I was going to all her appointments and at the same time I had a good friend of mine who was she was pregnant at the same time as well and unfortunately she had to go through the experience by herself so I was mm. going to the birth center I uh, referred her to and I was going to those classes with her as her support person I'm just in the class like with my hands on my face like huh so <laughs> so that's what happens oh can you can you do that again so, and I'm just like so into it like you know the mother's all there and they just like man like why is he so excited <laughs> <laughs> I'm nerding out in class and it just became a thing that like I just got interested so like I was able to be there with my youngest sister for the entire nine months I went through the entire labor process I was there doing all the techniques that I was taught like 
massaging, pushing the hips together. I had created like an extremely calm space, you know, turn the televisions off. I had uh, lavender scents going through. Oh, wait, the- sorry to cut you off, but was she in a hospital or did she do it at home? Oh, no, she was at home, but we, we went, went to a hospital. You delayed. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the goal was to, like, labor at home as much as possible. So when she yep. got there, she would deliver, you know, it would be quick. It would be quick. Um, there's patient. no intervention. There's no, they yeah. can't say anything. It's at her exactly. pace. Yeah. Exactly, because we went through the whole birth plan. It's like, okay, I don't want to be at the hospital too long. I don't like, because she really don't like the hospital lights like that. So, like, the hospital lights, the room is just not comfortable. It's not home. Like, you can't really no. feel comfortable there, right? So I'm like, let's just do as much as we can at home. We got her probably to like based off the contractions I was counting because the doula came like probably towards the, like the last leg of it. So I was with her like, and let me tell you like that is a lot of work. And when you guys contract and you got to like, I'm hitting massage and pressure points and all these things to help alleviate the pain. Every time she contracts for like 12 hours, I'm like, I am tired. My arms cramp. I can't and feel tired. nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yo, where is the doula? Like, I need her to pull up now. <laughs> Tag me out. <laughs> You go into that process, you've seen what she's going through. It's just a lot. I know I appreciate her so much more. I love my sister already, but I loved her so much more. Yeah, once we got to the hospital and I was able to see my nephew, it was crazy. It was just like, wow. Like, I'm watching him being pushed out. And I'm like, all these fucking emotions just came out of nowhere. I'm like, wow, I understand why people cry here. God, <laughs> I can't control this. <laughs> the miracle yeah. of life, yes. She had at the hospital. She had three or four black nurses there, but it was still an unfortunate experience. Mm. And again, the hospital is a system, you know, there's no fault to the nurses and everybody that was there. You know, they did a good job. My nephew was born healthy and fine, but the system that's in place is for them to do their job the way that they was taught. And they have to follow certain guidelines, red tape, which is why, again, I removed myself from my job to start my own nonprofit so I could go about things my way so they're there and they're just not listening to her as soon as we get there I'm like look the baby's dropping I think she's probably gonna push him out now she's probably 10 centimeters down there let's go mm-hmm. go go they're like oh no we need a urine sample we need to get her oh, into the bathroom God. right now yes. I'm like no we don't have time for that she just said if she goes to the bathroom she's gonna push him out in the toilet granted that's not how it works but we know hey she mm-hmm. knows her body We've been practicing this and she's gotten so in tune the entire time. It's like, I don't want to go to the bathroom. Put me into a room right now. So I'm in there trying to advocate, like, look, can we get her into a room? Like, please, like now. And her name is this. Like, can you start calling her by her name? Because we don't know you. And when you go to the hospital, like, you know, you've been with a doctor or nurse the entire time. And then you go into labor, you were strange. So can we build a quick rapport? This is her name. Please address her by her name. Mm-hmm. and let's just start there here's the birth plan she actually wants to give birth in these positions before actually resorting to like a lay down position they didn't listen to it like yeah yeah let's go cool. who are you the brother the doula what, what are you i'm like rude first of all <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. and second yes i am her the assistant doula the doula's be coming up she's parking right now she'd be coming in this room as well so they laid her down because they wanted to see how many centimeters she was dilated and it's like oh my god yeah she's 10 she's I'm not like, I'm just throwing buzzwords out there, like ring of fire, crowning. I don't know. <laughs> like the baby's coming. <laughs> what is she yeah. doing? So finally, once they was able to see them, but at that time she was already laying down and they told her to go push. So it was just so quick that we couldn't fully experience the moment as much because we wasn't being listened to. They didn't make it comfortable. It just was another procedure, another patient for them. 
Like, all right, another baby's coming. Let's push, get this baby out. Let's clip, clip, clip. They did not listen to our delayed clamping, which I was annoyed with. Because as soon as the baby came out, clamp. I'm like, yo, I just told you we're doing delayed clamp. But what, what are we doing here? Yeah. So it was just like that, unfortunately. Like, granted, you know, he was healthy. And that's the most important part. But it was just that experience in itself. And everybody has their own experience. So, like, I'm not shaming hospital birds or doctors. Or like that. Everybody has their experience. And people have great experiences here. But the one I actually felt, I understood why the stories I start hearing, why communication is not present mm-hmm. in the hospital, why Black parental mortality rates are extremely high. Mm-hmm. And they say 70 to 75% of the deaths are due to lack of communication. And that just starts sparking more things for me to where, I got time doing 2020. Let's just go ahead and get certified. Let's take this a little bit more seriously and let's see how I could take whatever information that comes in and provide this out to the community. Again, make this a part of a pillar within mm-hmm. our own to where like, yeah, we're providing education. Because again, this is access to information and education on all levels. If that's meditation, yoga, that's cycling, if that's sure. nutrition. Like all these things still, like nutrition still is a component to maternal health. Exercising is still a component to maternal health. Mental health and fitness is still a part of maternal All these things work together. And this is why as our own, we try to like really push this narrative, take care of all of you. So yeah, you know, that's how I got into it. Took the classes and became like super nerd over the placenta. Like, it's like my favorite organ. I haven't even done all the research on the placenta and actually I just spoke with a woman oh maybe I can connect you to she actually um does placenta encapsulation in Los Angeles California for moms that's my next like I want to actually take the class oh so yeah I'll connect you guys and she's all into holistic birth and you know we were laughing because we're like that's a whole nother conversation we could probably talk for hours about how moms do have choices but they don't know the choices that they have and they can ask for this and that that's a whole nother thing. But yes, I will connect you because she's in she's in L.A. OK, perfect. Yes. My whole point with that was that I don't even know all about the placenta. And she was giving and me it, all this wealth of knowledge. She's like, it is the most amazing. Just think about it. Like, yeah. it's, it's an organ that's not in your body right now. No, it gets developed during the process. Yeah. And it's a it protects it provides the oxygen and the food. And then like when it comes out, <laughs> like I've watched it come out. I'm like, oh my God, look at it. It looks like a flat brain. Like <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. And then my sister's like, what, what's wrong with you? I'm like, you don't see right now. Like I forgot the mirror. I should be holding it up. I forgot it wasn't in my bag. <laughs> but look at it. It's huge. I'm going to take yeah. a picture and show you later. <laughs> but this identifying and understanding like that huge pieces being detached and separated mm-hmm. from the uterus which is creating this open wound in your body someone tried to relate it to me it's like having those cuts on the side of your mouth sometimes right mm-hmm. that annoy us so much but we constantly moving and talking and talking right the more we talk and move our mouth the longer it takes for those cuts to close and heal so how i look at the placenta and just like that open wound within the body is like after birth the fourth trimester which is you know postpartum you guys should be resting as much as possible, right? Letting the body do what it needs to do to heal and breastfeeding and all these things to contract the muscle down there to help close mm-hmm. that wound. The more and more you're moving, going back into normal state, because mentally you're thinking like, oh, I could, I'm super, right? I could go clean up, exercise, do some things. You know, no, you need to rest. You need to sit there. And I think that's my approach when it comes to assisting into this world, not trying to 
like I'm this amazing thought leader in this space. Like I'm still new and I'm still nowhere near the experts that has been doing this stuff for years. But <laughs> it's the education for me. And it's also providing to men as much as possible. And I'm a guy who's like been, you know, emerged into this world and had more experiences than the than the next man and still didn't know as much once I start taking these classes and being present and knowing how to show up. And it could be the littlest things like laying next to her while she's nursing, just provide some type of like energy and support. Getting her water, cooking, getting her water, cooking, cleaning, telling the grandma, auntie, like, yo, y'all can't be coming over every day. Like chill. Like she needs time before we invite the family over for this. And imagine the full circle that would bring of starting in the communities, right? Especially young fathers. We can't hide from the fact that young children have sex, right? And I say young children because they start early and earlier, these generations. I've seen a lot of conversation recently. Oh my God. You know, so we have to (laughs) arm them, but we have to arm them with this knowledge of, well, when this happens, this is the reality. And maybe that will make them think twice, be like, no, to step up and to do it all. This is what mm-hmm. it entails. Even as a, on the mother, on the flip side, the amount of energy and time, yes, to understand, to breastfeed. I mean, it's all beautiful, but yes, that's that's time and that's energy. And it yeah. always it's crazy to me how in other cultures, it's normal for the whole community to rally behind the mom. The mom doesn't do anything, literally, mm-hmm. but rest and let her body heal from doing this miraculous you know, giving birth yeah. where it's only really in the United States where it's like, nope, like you said, either they are single moms, so they, they're the breadwinner, they have to get back to work. Or if they do have a partner, their job doesn't allow for maternity leave, or they're just sustained to think, no, I'm supposed to get up, especially again in the black and brown community. But as we know with the mortality rate in black women in general, and seeing it as a sign of weakness to ask for help or to rest. Because to your point, yes, all of those pillars within our own are is everything a mother needs to have or statistically to show to have a safer more successful healthier just birth in general whether you have a home birth or a hospital birth I mean studies just show you know when mom is healthy and of course anything is possible because life is life but yes if you do this if you exercise I remember walking every day not even high level, just walking every day to get my body, my legs, right? Because you get swollen, your body's growing, walking is key, just the drinking water, just the little tweaks. But again, if a mom is focused on other things and not focused on taking care of herself and her baby, they can miss even the smallest things that can help their birthing experience. So that's that's dope that you're that you have that and looking to connect with our own because that is a whole nother pillar within itself. And still being all connected (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely you know so any upcoming events as we're starting to wind down here and it's been such an amazing conversation I would love to learn so much more anytime I speak with someone who is which most of my podcast guests are they're in some way trying to change the world within what they can do and I'm always amazed and energized after these conversations and I'm like I wish I could meet you in person so I can help (laughs) you rule it together because it is it's you start with your community and then it's global domination, right? What's next for you? What's next for our own? Any yeah. other information you want to share regarding what's next? What's to come? We have upcoming like back to school and community uh, wellness event at the new SoFi football stadium in Inglewood, California. So new state of our stadium that just got built, they completed it in 2020, but they wasn't able to like really play in it or do anything because of COVID. It's also looked at something as a negative space because it's just huge 400 acre lot that's been covered up in a predominantly black and brown community but it's also like you know doing what it's going to do raise property values up and all these things 
but there's also access to that place as well because there are job opportunities here there are job opportunities that the community is not fully aware of but also it's just the space that people want to probably just go and experience but the main thing what we want to focus on kids are going back to school people are nervous people are scared and you know just what's going on with like the virus and how the school system is handling it and you know some of the kids like are having a conversation like oh if I get COVID I'm gonna die tomorrow like it's just so much and also coming off of kids going through their growing phase and being mm-hmm. stuck in a home going through puberty and all this at home for a whole year like yes. it's not being around energy and human um, experience is what we need so we wanted to provide like a wellness day where we focus on again access here's a resource we're going to do it again in a cool way and make it huge and big by connecting to something that you're familiar with that's in your neighborhood. So you could come and now we're introducing yoga, meditation, sound healing, and all these things that has been statistically uh, proven to help the overall body and your mental. Here's a one-off, but again, we're, we love consistency. So here's a big, huge one-off experience for the community experience, but also we'll follow that up with weekly programming within the schools within the community, like we normally do with our run club. Here's weekly yoga meditation events. Here's we're coming into the school to kind of create this moment as well on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. So now you're constantly getting this resource. So yeah, we just want to focus on that when it comes to that event, just the overall mental health of our community and put it in a way that you know makes sense and make it so cool that people want to just like have that fear of missing out and want to like, yo, I want to do yoga meditation. <laughs> I want to get my mind right. You yes. know, like I want to be mentally fit. That's that. As for our own in itself, this is constantly growing and scaling our, our programs. On the cell side, when it comes to like our yoga meditation stuff, we're tapping in and partnering with some schools and we're going to do something around mental health with them in the com- upcoming school year. We're working on something right now I can't fully disclose, but it's around our agrotech and nutrition programming. It should create more access to healthier living, to education, but in a way that is also like economically good for the community members so like working out something on the tech side that kind of makes it might take a while coding the tech side of it it's just yeah. a lot <laughs> but um yeah we're doing stuff like that and there's a couple other things we're going to scaling into uh, which is going to be uh great i recently got acknowledged by uh, the city on front from the mayor and i'm working with her to like revitalize and like reimagine the city of carson in a way that speaks to the millennials um and the gen zers but also connects with the baby boomers and the other generations as well because again like I grew up on this block in Carson that three generations lived on this block and I seen and connected with each and one of them we all work together as a family so like that's the energy I'm coming from I know that some millennials the younger ones and then the Gen Zers are losing that because we're losing the family dynamic a little bit we, we don't have that culture but the older millennials we grew up with grandparents and, uncles, and, grandparents, and all everybody that. yes then we also was able to experience the emergence of technology computers and all that. so we have the perfect bridge between both worlds the younger generation all they know is tiktok and <laughs> all these things they don't yeah. it's gonna be crazy when you think about it like some kids may grow up and never get a driver's license because it might just be self-driving cars by that time to where oh, like shit, that's gonna, crazy that's true I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna use an app and just have this car take me to miami or something like i don't need to drive for what like <laughs> that's where we're going into it's just it's good to like have that bridge and that connection with the different generations because i know what it did for me 
I know what it did for a lot of other people as well. And we come from that. Like, if we go all the way back to like ancient Egypt times, I've been like tapped into ancient Egypt when it comes to midwifery. And I've seen a lot of like males in a hieroglyphic part of the process. People will say, like, well, you know, males in the doula world is not, yeah, it's not very common now, but like we was always kind of present. We just lost our way and we're trying to find our way back in. You know, if I could spread the message with that. And I think that's one thing I also trying to do with the maternal health on our own. Well, I am creating a book right now for males that's going to be extremely helpful and yeah. blame returns that make sense and it's extremely relatable to kind of break down everything that makes sense for doing a birthing experience. Like, here you go. Now you have a tool that is easy to comprehend. It relates to who you are as a man and it just speaks to you. So. Oh my God, that is, you're like, oh, that's it. And maybe some other things. Tell my listeners how people can find you online and how they can donate or help to get involved with your organization. Absolutely. You can find us at www.ourown.com, O-U-R-O-W-N.com. There's a donation tab there called Action. Yeah, please donate. We receive all donations, monetary and in kind, that helps us grow and scale to get to where we need to get to. If you want to support on social media-wise, you can follow us at, at our own O-U-R-O-W-N on Instagram. Um, as well as Facebook and Twitter. Love it. So since you are so busy, I like this portion of my podcast because I always like to kind of dig deeper. You're doing for everybody else, the community. I, I heard you mention a couple of times, it's tough, I'm stressed on this. What do you do for your self-care? What do you do to refill your cup? And what do you do to unwind? Yeah, it's, it's extremely difficult because, you know, I can preach all this stuff <laughs> to the community, to the world, and sometimes it's hard to take your own advice. But I do intentionally try to disconnect as much as possible. So I, I love nature. It's my thing. I love the water. Because I'm Pisces. <laughs> but so, like, I tend to, like, go to the beach. I live currently, like, by the, the beach. So I'm, like, a 10-minute jog. So I'll go to the beach during sunsets and just, like, sit on the sand, just listen to this vibe and meditate there. I'll go hiking. i go to the park. And instead of, like, grabbing food to go and eating in the car sometimes I'll just pull over and eat at the park you know and just sit under a tree and just like turn my phone off which is something that's hard to do but I've been doing getting better at it. like just turning my phone off and setting times for myself to where I'm able to wake up and go straight into like doing things that's for me first before I go into answering emails returning phone calls um, hopping on zooms all day again nature outside you know I feel like I'm a solar panel charged from the sun that's out here and just kind of take that in and just connect to the earth and be grounded as much as possible so that helps a lot I love it so let's get into my quick get to know what is your favorite book I would say it's the go-giver so the go-giver is a book that I read when I was living in New York and I started reading a lot more books in New York I was not a reader <laughs> before I went so, but like you're on a train a lot and you just start picking up, got to kill time. You can't really like get on your phone and send messages because you're on the ground. So start reading books and The Go-Giver was one. It's an amazing book to me because it explains like how brutally competitive the world is around everyone fighting for or trying to achieve a, a greater success level in monetary gains. In this book, it provides like a different perspective. And it changes the rules a little bit as well. It allows mm -hmm. you to see success can be built on giving and adding value to others. So like I read that even before I started like our own. And it just makes sense of everything I do is giving. I'm giving and I'm providing value to others. In return, 
that also often brings more success than being someone who's just like constantly just out here trying to make sales and take advantage of people and all this because the karma of it, you know, will bite you in the ass like being just a go-giver. And I've seen success from being a giver from it. And it's the relationships. And also like success doesn't also have to equate to like money success. This is the relationship that's been developed from being a giver. It's just been amazing. So yeah, that's like my favorite book. I love it. What's your favorite organizational hack? Like what, what keeps you on point? My grandfather was in the Navy. So I was very strict and very just organized. Mm -hmm. Raised my dad, raised my dad and family the same way. Obviously I was raised the same way as well. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is set and structured a certain way. I like to recycle a lot. So a lot of things like wood crates and mason jars. So like I convert a lot of my wood crates into like tables um, cabinets, um, bookshelves and stuff like that. I have mason jars that I put my Q-tips and stuff. <laughs> like but it, it is, but it's those little things. Yeah. And those things make me happy. I have like little jars where I keep my like probiotics and vitamins and stuff I take on a daily basis. And I need to see them because if they're put up in a cabinet, I might forget. So like having like a chef that I created allows me to see like my vitamins and daily supplements I got to take in the morning before I get going. And before I walk out the door, I make sure I see them before I leave. So I take so like those things has helped me keep my routine going within this hectic world I created for myself with being an entrepreneur. Yeah. No, it's good. You get clear things so you can see. Same thing. I'm approaching 40 in a couple of years. So I'm really hey, same here. Yeah, I'm for sure, guys. And I feel right. like as you guys, as men get older, you guys just age better. Like I look at my husband and I'm like, I, I can't. Like right, dude right. just watches his face and he I'm investing <laughs> in all this stuff to try right. and maintain my youthfulness. But I say all that because same thing. Like I'd have to like it makes me happy when I see them and then it keeps me on my routine because if it's put away or whatever, you don't see it. What's your favorite word? All right, I'll say two. A good and a bad. A good word is groove. Like, again, like, I'm an old soul. I'm surprised I don't say jive. (laughs) But, like, I feel like I was, I've been here before. Or is this the family I grew up in? Everybody was just, like, you know, old school, man. Like, my grandpa was, like, one of the cat daddy type brothers, you know. So he had the rings and always was talking like that slick talk. But it's cool and it's so knowledgeable. But he always used to say groove, like, nah, that ain't the groove. This is the groove. <laughs> like, it was just like groove was for everything. And I was like, yo, I like that. It's just smooth. It just feels good. It's like dope, you know, but like I say groove instead. And then shit, man. Like, I don't know. I don't like shit. It's just, I feel like I gotta say shit a lot. <laughs> shit for good shit for bad oh yeah, shit like, like, oh shit like there's so many was, different it was, variations <laughs> it was crazy like i have a crazy memory but like also i was probably two or three years old and i do recall this moment in time because i got in tr- trouble for it but i remember in my grandfather's house we was going somewhere i thought everybody left the house to go into the garage to um get in the car and i'm mm-hmm. the only person in the house so it was my opportunity to say this word and I stood on top of the stairs and I just said it like, shit. And then my dad came out like, what the fuck? And then my grandpa, like, cause my, my grandpa said shit all day long. And that was like his word too. So like my, everybody just looked at my grandpa I was like, this is your fault. <laughs> like we're going to pop him on his hand right now, but it's your fault. <laughs> why he's saying this. 
So yeah, so groove and shit is like in my is my words. What has been, and I, I put entrepreneur here, but I'll say what has been the go-giver and being a doula kind of taught you? Where are you at oh, with uh, all of this now? Patience. <laughs> uh, a lot of patience. Understanding like we might think of things and want things to happen in our in our head right away. And sometimes it doesn't go according to plan. A lot actually it never goes according to plan. And it has taught me to be patient and also have a strong pivot game. 2020, if anything, has taught anybody to like know how to pivot. We pivot well, extremely well. And that's the two things that like I appreciate and that I try to like, you know, just remind myself, just be patient and constantly working, constantly thinking on ways to like improve and just like, you know, figure things out. Like I love problem solving. This is like my thing. Also, I think I developed the patient game from working in the field that I worked in for 14 years because yeah. I'm dealing with high energy behavior issues where it's constant yelling, screaming, kicking tantrums, and I'm just sitting there playing some Ron Osley, Isley Brothers in my head, like, you know, calming myself down. So I'm just always providing this calm energy because, you know, again, people feed off of that, you know? So if you're doing this tantrum or whatever, like, yeah, I hear you. I'm not about to yell at you. I'm like, yo, just let me know when you're good. Let's go back to our breathing, da 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 Like, why are you so calm? I'm like, I don't know. You know, listen to Luther Vandross <laughs> right now in my head. You know, it helps. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could do it too. Let's put on a song you like. Kind so, of yeah, pausing just, before. Exactly. Because, like, I, at one point, I had a short temper. In high school, short temper. You know, I'm amongst a lot of testosterone growing up, you know, but I was able to, of course, with my experiences and everything, with travel, going to college, moving to a different part of the country, has uh, developed these skills and patience is one of the ones that has really kept me level-headed for sure. I love it. Now that we're kind of wrapping up, any final thoughts to the podcast world? Any last minute words? I would say to the podcast world, whatever you do, find your purpose, make it fun, make it popular, but be consistent with it. Whatever it's going to be that you're excited about and you want to tap into, understand it's going to be a lot of work. Whatever you imagine in your head that, like, oh, I can make this happen overnight. It's not going to take overnight. <laughs> but if you're consistent, and this is another book that I love. It's called Atomic Habits. And it's something I've been doing my entire life without even knowing like there was you know, science back behind it. But doing something that you want to do for life every day. So if you even apply 1% towards your goal every day, you're 365% at the end of the year towards your goal. Wow. And it's not necessarily setting goals, it's creating systems. So because goals you set, you accomplish, and then it's like you're excited for a few hours, and then it's like, all right, I got to do move on to the next. But if you create this system, you're constantly living in it and growing with it. If you're going to be consistent at something, apply something to it every day, 1%. It could just be like, you know what? I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to Google this one word. Like I'm going to Google trademarks today read on trademarks and then you could be done for the rest of the day but you have learned something that is going to be uh working towards your business your mind your your goal or whatever that is and you do that for a whole day the moment you take two days off you have to start over again if you're constantly starting over you're constantly prolonging what you're trying to get so every day i put i put something towards our i don't care what it is if it's only sending one email out i'm doing something towards it because that one percent it's like compound interest you know, yeah. it's just going steady. And I've seen success with that. 
That's a great point because I think I've got even in my mindset, like I might go Saturday, Sunday, you know, maybe I'll take the day off or, you know, I won't look at emails. You know, I'm trying to develop a system that works for me. There's so many things. So I'm like, do I check emails Monday and Thursday? Do I, you know, not check it during the day of like seeing what works? So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, it's a work in progress of trying to figure out without getting burnt out what works. Yeah. But at the same time, to your point, because that, that does make sense of putting even if it's a little bit to whatever that goal is. So, you know, even if as I'm researching something, maybe I don't send an email, but I'm researching something or someone to reach out to for another event I want to put together or someone I want to collaborate with. So that's, that's a good point. Yeah. I think the last thing I would say too, is just pour from overflow, pour from abundance. I had to learn that the hard way, still learning. Mm-hmm. Since I am a giver, I tend to give more of myself than I have. Like, you know, so I pour from empty glass sometimes. And I've been doing better at filling my own cup first and then pouring from overflow. Mm-hmm. Give from abundance. It'll make you feel better. It'll less stress, less anxiety <laughs> will come and everything, everything be fine. So yeah, those two things for sure. I love it, Dustin. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure talking with you and learning all about your journey, our own. I wish you nothing but success and, and great things for the future. Dustin, it's been a pleasure and talk soon. Okay, have a good one. Thanks. Thank you for joining me this week on the Mama's Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, NGC Consulting, where you can find them at nicolegconsulting.com. For more motherhood resources, check out themotherhoodvillage.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this episode, We'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or recommendation to a friend works too. And join us next time for an another amazing conversation. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.